a Podcast One production. G'day, I'm Chris Russell and welcome to Agriminders. The wide open spaces have appealed to farmers forever. But wide open spaces are, by their very nature, isolated. Not only is there geographic isolation, where farmers may have to travel hours to the closest town, but there's also the social isolation. Our farming population is ageing, with the latest survey data from the Australian Bureau of Statistics finding the average farmer is now 56 years old, and the children of these farmers aren't necessarily staying on to continue with the family farm. On top of this, technology means jobs are becoming increasingly automated, so there are fewer people actually working on farms. So when the future of our food and fibre production rests in the hands of a shrinking and increasingly isolated population, how can these communities stay socially connected? And how can farming and living in a rural community be perceived by young people as a desirable lifestyle choice? Not-for-profit organisation Active Farmers is working on a solution to both of these problems by using group fitness classes to build a stronger, fitter and more resilient rural community. Our agriminder today is the acting CEO of Active Farmers, Marlies Heffernan. Now, Marlies spent 15 years working in human services. In that time, she developed a passion for fitness as a way to distract herself from what was a stressful job And she then studied to become a fitness leader so she could share her passion for fitness with others. Marlies joined Active Farmers as a trainer after moving to a mixed farm with her family in Juneau in central west New South Wales. Welcome to Agriminders, Marlies. Thank you, Chris, and thanks for the opportunity. No problem. Now, Marlies, you know, we are, to quote Dorothea McKellar, as I've done many times, a land of extremes, droughts and flooding rains, and all of those are stress events, which is symbolic of the kind of extremes and pressures that farmers are under, and not only from weather changes and climate change, but, you know, increasing automation, the sedentary style of, of doing farming these days, um, changes in the markets, our dependence on one market, price changes, uh, and there are also a lot of social factors. So what are the factors that you think on farms um, that actually drive people to say, yes, I want to work on a farm or and produce food and fibre, um, and those considering a career in that whole industry? So I think, as you've touched on there with, um, you know, weather events like drought and um, flood, and of course, you know, we've, we've been affected by bushfires recently as well. Um, you know, and when we look at some of the key contributors to, to people's poor mental health, um, you know, things like financial stress and um, loneliness and traumatic life events, those are some of the biggest contributors to um, mental health issues for people. And, you know, I think how farming has changed. You know, farmers are, are less likely to employ farmhands now um, because the need is not there because there's been increase in, in technology and machinery. Um, things like loneliness uh, are quite prevalent and it has become a much more solitary occupation. So I think when we look at um, social impacts as to why young people may not be considering this as a, as an employment choice for them is that, you know, what what is the lifestyle going to be like for them choosing this profession? 
you know, and I guess that's one of the things that Active Farmers is trying to achieve is that we are we're, we're providing a, a social connection for people to to make the lifestyle more desirable, so that people do want to continue to work in this profession. Do you think young people perceive the mental stress of being remote and living on the farms, or are they connected to the romance of country living? Mm, no, I think people are aware. I think young people are aware of. Um, you know, the, the stresses that go with farming. Um, and I think that has a huge impact on on their desire to either enter that field or to remain on farms, um, which is traditionally, um, you know, quite often there's an expectation that young people on farms will just continue that tradition and, and continue on with farming. Um, you know, I think that the really difficult thing for young people is that they they know that farming is hard work and quite often there's very little in return at the end of that hard work. Um, in, in terms of, you know, the romance of, of what farming could be. Um, it wears off pretty quickly, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think it does. But I think, you know, for, for young people who do have a desire to either continue farming or or, or particularly those that who, who wish to continue farming, um, you know, it's it's a part of their their culture. It's in their blood. Um, for some people, it's all they know. It's all they want to do. It's all they've ever wanted to do. Um, but yeah, the stark realities of the work are, are something else. So tell me how Active Farmers, Active Farmers are a not-for-profit company. Yep. Tell me how the idea for that came about. Yeah, so Active Farmers was founded in 2015 by Ginny Stevens um, in Mangapla, New South Wales. Um, and it, it was a, as a result of her concerns about the mental health issues in rural areas and the growing isolation rising from expanding farm technology and the scarcity of local available health and wellbeing activities in small farming communities. Uh, she had an interest in fitness. Um, she actually left her long-term agri-banking business job to to do this full-time. Um, just started teaching some group fitness classes in her local town of Mangapla um, and then expanded to a nearby town, Quinty. And it wasn't until about 2017 when we we, um, we got some support from Delta Agribusiness that enabled us to expand. So how, how big is your coverage now? So now we, we're active in 46 farming communities wow. in every state of Australia. We've seen most of that growth in just the last two years um, after we did receive support from, from Delta Agribusiness and also as we, when we registered as a not-for-profit. And look, the, the growth has been quite an organic process as well. So we haven't gone out chasing these communities. These people are coming to us saying that they need this service and they want this service. So that is a phenomenal growth. What do you think Active Farmers has offered that's actually made it so attractive to have caught on like that? Well, look, we try and just provide a really lighthearted environment. We try and make the group fitness sessions really fun. We also make sure that we tailor the classes so that they're achievable for everybody. I mean, people, if they want to come and have a go, they can get a really good workout. But we also make sure that those classes are available for people who, you know, might have injuries, um, which is quite likely if farming is your profession. Um, and, you know, people who might be less mobile. Is there some kind of social interaction too that you try and incorporate? Yeah, yeah. And look, I think that's very much at the forefront of what we're trying to achieve. Um, yes, we're trying to improve the the physical and the mental health of people living in these areas. But um, 
It's about building those social connections and people having a really positive avenue to to come together and, you know, just talk. We 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 have a testimonial on our website actually of of an active farmers participant who said for him active farmers is about getting off the farm for an hour, catching up with his mates and talking crap and just forgetting <laughs> about the things that Okay. Um yeah, they're the just day-to-day stresses, yeah. And that's something that those who work in the city kind of take for granted as part of mm. their job, you now leaning over the top of the water cooler, um, yeah. talking crap, as you say, and yet farmers don't have that option. No, no. And look, particularly in modern farming, um, you know, the, the days are really gone where you might employ multiple farmhands, you know, and that's just with the increase in, in technology and machinery. It's become quite a solitary occupation. Marlies, typically farmers and people in the bush have not looked at going out for physical exercise as being the way that they would seek to socialise or get together. It's either in the pub or it's an afternoon tea party or something much more sedate and and, uh, sedentary almost. How have people reacted to you coming along and saying, well, get together after work, not by relaxing, but by getting up and doing exercises? We've had a positive reaction. We're sort of bringing the gym, I suppose, to these locations um, so that people don't have to travel great distances in order to prioritise their health. Um, Yeah, I I think, you know, we've had really positive feedback that it's a great idea, that, um, you know, people love what we're about. But I, I still think, you know, we've got a fair bit of work to do to, um, to get people to not only love our idea, but also, you know, really get involved on a, on a regular basis. But it has been a really positive reaction. What's the, what's the churn rate been like in your classes? You know, do people tend to come and stick or do people just do a couple and then drop out or...? We always keep in mind that farming's seasonal, so there will be times throughout the year where it is, you know, virtually impossible for for farmers to get to the classes. So, you know, sort of does come in ebbs and flows. But, I mean, the good thing about the way we we embed the program in the community is that we're not numbers dependent. We understand that people might come for a little while, then, you know, sowing might start and people will drop off for a little bit and then, you know, winter, not much might be happening. So numbers increase again. And then, of course, you might have harvest and then and then things change. But we run the classes regardless because we know that from week to week, even if just three people attend, it might be those three people that really need to have that social connection that week. So my old man, you know, he, his father died when he was six, so he worked on his uncle's property. And, I mean, at the age of 10 or 11, his job, and then I'm talking about the the 30s now, the 20s and mm. 30s, his job was to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, get the horses ready and hooked into the plough, and then these people would walk behind that plough all day, uh, ploughing maybe three furrows at a time. Um, and it was very active and continuous. Mm. And, you know, even in my youth, most farmers would say the last thing they need in their spare time is to go and do more <laughs> exercise. So, you know, but but obviously that's changed in, in that it's not as labour-intensive as it used to be. Do farmers recognise that, do you think, or do they still live with this vision of immortality due to their active life? Yeah, yeah, look, uh, I'm seeing a very, very slow shift in that view. <laughs> and we don't deny it. Our farmers today still do work incredibly hard and, um you know, I, I think of 
you know, my personal circumstances. Um, we run a mixed farming property just outside of Juneau. So uh, we run sheep and cropping. And, you know, some days my husband will be sitting in the tractor for hours, but then the next day he's in the sheep yards, you know, working incredibly hard. But as you said, there's that stop start. So, and we know that the things that help us to improve our physical health is um, that we have sort of a, a continued amount of time where we are uh, exercising uh, to a certain um extent to, to get the benefits out of out of the healthy health side. But um, what we're trying to offer as well is, you know, to build functionally strong bodies for our farmers as well, because um, working in the sheep yards and stuff like that, there's so many farmers that come to us saying, oh, I've got a bad back or I've got uh, shoulder injuries or knee injuries, um, you know, and that comes from that kind of hard manual labour that you see on farms, um, particularly if you're working with livestock. Um, so yeah, we're, we do have that focus as well as to try and build um, functionally strong bodies so that they can continue to do the work that they do and to do it pain-free. But that, that's another change because, I mean, one, you know, years ago, if you did have a bad back or a crook knee, you never told anyone about it. I was always brought it up by my father, just suck it in and get on with what you're doing, you know. <laughs> Do farmers you find now come to you and saying, look, I have got a problem that I need help with? Yeah, some do. Some are very good with that, but we still do see that, um, you know, that mentality of, oh, yeah, look, I've worked all hard. I've worked all day on the farm really hard. I don't need to come and do an exercise class now. So, you know, there, there's still a lot of work to do in that space and we see that with our, you know, our participation data that, you know, women are still winning that race <laughs> um, and we are working very hard to sort of continue to shift that view that whilst we do acknowledge that farmers work very hard physically on the farm, there's all sorts of health concerns that they may not be aware of or, or that you can't see that exercise, regular exercise has quite a profound effect on. And Marley's coming back to the social event, if you like, of the exercise class. Again, um, I'm sorry to be historical all the time, but the, the social event really, in my memory of a, as a child, was the men going up to the pub. Mm. Um, and that's where they got their social connection. You know, they'd go into town, sit in the pub. The only thing that got any exercise was their right arm. And, um, <laughs> and of course, you know, in my experience now, I, I just don't drink beer because it goes straight to my tummy. Um, and, you know, so it's exactly the opposite to what you're doing. A farmer's tending to give that up or is this a sort of a counter for carrying on with that kind of pub-based social life? Oh, yeah. Look, it could be a counter for carry on, I think. But, you know, also, um, you know, what we're very aware of in these small farming communities is that they're, they're losing services that may have once been there. So the local pub might not be operating anymore. Um, you know, or the lo local sporting club might not be operating anymore. Um, and look, I think I think farming communities still probably have that little hub where they go and catch up for a drink and they, they feel comfortable to chat and talk. Um, but that's probably important. I mean, I... I think they're more likely to let go in a pub to their mates probably yeah. than they are sitting in an exercise class, I would have <laughs> yeah. thought. Yeah, and I think there's still absolutely a place for that, provided it can be, you know, done sensibly. But um, I think what what we're trying to do is, um, you know, especially from a mental health perspective, um, you know, alcohol and mental health don't really go hand in hand and can make it quite difficult for people to manage mental illness. So I guess we're just, we're not saying there's not a place for that um, for people who can do it sensibly, but we're trying to provide another avenue um, that, that might create a, a similar space where people can talk, but with those added health benefits as well. 
So the average age of, of um, farmers and farm managers, I think, is currently running at about 53, compared with similar jobs in the urban is running at about an average of 39. So it's, mm. a, it's obviously an older population. Yeah. Are you finding that the people who are signing up to be part of this are, tend to be the more younger ones who won't be as scared by the idea of activity, or is it the older farmers who are saying, I really need to get do something about this and come in? Yeah, I, we mostly find um, sort of around that 40 plus or even 35 plus is is probably our um, our biggest group, uh, particularly with, with our male participants. And look, there's probably a couple of reasons why that is. People who are younger than 35 might still be playing weekend sports, so they're getting that physical activity via that avenue. But a lot of the people that I speak with in our class who are sort of getting past that 35, 40 age mark, they tell me they're there because they're like, oh, you know, things are getting hard. <laughs> Even just rolling out of bed each morning and getting dressed, you know, people are feeling stiff um, or they're starting to have those niggly health concerns present. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think, you know, people get to an age where they're almost forced to um, at least have a think about it. Um, and then the people who are coming to our classes are, are those who are being quite proactive about it. So... What effects have you noticed and what have you been anecdotally reported back from the people participating in what they see that they're getting out of this? So two questions, really. One is, what have you seen? And second question is, what are they seeing? I'm seeing that shift um, and that shift in view that, um, you know, it is important to prioritise our health. You know, I'm I'm seeing that shift where where people are feeling more comfortable to even have a chat about things that that might be worrying them. Um, the way that we design our classes is we try to, to set it up. I mean, it's a bit difficult in the current climate, but we try and set up a lot of partner work so that people are kind of just working in pairs. So it's much easier for people to have that, that conversation um, about things that might be worrying them or concerning them. Um, so I, I'm seeing a lot more conversation and, and I do teach some of the classes myself. So you know, you do overhear these conversations at time that, that make me feel really proud that we've provided this space for people where they feel like they can have these conversations with the added bonus of getting a bit of physical health at the same time. You know, for some people it is just, it's, it's just a very simple way for them to have an excuse to, to get away from work for an hour and, you know, talk crap and just have a bit of fun. Uh, but then, you know, we also get feedback for people who where it's had quite a profound impact on their lives. I was having a conversation with a, an active farmers participant earlier this year, actually, and um, they'd had quite a traumatic family event, which resulted in in them having to sell their family property um, and move into town, which was a massive lifestyle change for them. Um, and they said if they didn't have their active farmers session to look forward to each week during that time, they weren't sure what the outcome would have been for them. And they really felt that in that time, it was those active farmers classes that actually lengthened their life. Wow. And yeah, it's, it makes me quite emotional actually, because it's, um, whilst that's probably what we were hoping to achieve, it's it's really quite amazing to, to hear that we have had that impact on some. So in your strategy for future of active farmers, do, where do you see that going in terms of that mental improvement and development? 
we would really like to invest in some independent research so that we can, um, you know, really measure the impact that we are having and, and also to help us make sure that we are travelling on the right line and, and that we are doing good things in this space and, and to improve um, on how we do it. We do have hopes to continue to expand and look, we've got we've we've got a list of a hundred communities that are interested. So, you know, that's that's something that's quite obtainable. And the way in which we embed the program in these communities is that we do it in a sustainable way. So we hope that the impact that we are having, that we can continue to have, is going to be on a long term basis. Um, I'm quite excited, actually, and this is looking, you know, a little bit further down in the track. Down the track, um, those shifts in trend and shift in behaviour and people in rural communities feeling like they can um, speak more openly about what's happening for them. I'm excited to see what the next generation is going to be like in that space because I think that we're we're starting to get there. Um, We've got a lot of work to do, but because conversations are changing and language is changing, I think our children are seeing a difference and I, I'm quite excited to see what the impact will be for them as they grow older. Um, and the, the great thing about active farmers classes is that everybody comes. Sometimes we have more kids than adults. So we're role modelling this for the next generation. So Marlies, you know, this is a family thing as well. And you involve the families, as you've already said, and so on. And you're seeing that children are watching what their parents are doing. Do you think that this is helping young people get more enthusiastic about staying on the family farms? Um, because we, traditionally we've seen this migration of, of the young people into the cities mm. um, and therefore taking them out of food production, which is so critical for, for Australia. Mm. Do you think this sort of thing makes them more likely to feel that, that they can have a rewarding sort of social life and, and existence, if you like, in remote areas? Yeah, I, I really hope that that is the case. Um, and it makes me chuckle actually because... Um, my community, um, and there's, you know, there's two sort of farming villages close by that I'm very close to um, and care very much about. And it's where I teach my active farmers classes and that's Illabo and Uringilly in New South Wales. Um, there is a pub at Illabo and it's, we always laugh because on a Friday afternoon, kids would be in the school playground saying, oh, we're going to the pub tonight. And they they would be the instigators of this this social hub at the pub, um, and they'd be the organisers to get all the families together. But but now, you know, quite often the the conversation in the playground at school is, "Oh, you're going to Active Farmers tonight? I'll see you there." Wow. Okay. <laughs> so I just think that yeah, it's so important that we involve the kids in this because. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's really fun for them. And, and like you said, I, I think that it does add some desirability to, to them staying or, or coming back when the time is right for them. You mentioned that there's actually a queue of towns who would like to start up one of these active farmer type groups. What's the problem with them starting up on their own, Marlies? We want to provide a quality service. So um, all of our trainers are uh, fitness professionals, and we contract them to to do the work. Um, so, you know, unfortunately, in these small farming communities, there isn't always an abundance of qualified personal trainers to run the program. 
so that that's really the biggest hold up in these areas. Um, and, you know, we we have great plans to, to even sort of try and provide a, a program where we can um, help people who are already embedded in these communities to, to train and be able to offer the program themselves. Is that because these people are heading back like farmers, you know, we're, we're seeing a drain back to the cities? We're not holding on to people in qualified in the country towns or... Um, they're just not doing the training in the first place? Uh, well, perhaps they're just not doing the training in the first place. And, and you know, I think um, it's it's different here in the country, even in the fitness profession, because, you know, it's it's potentially not as, as equitable as it is in the city. Um, so, you know, you could be right. Um, people who might be choosing that profession may be remaining in the cities um, because it's it's financially more viable. And, you know, look, I think that it's it's really important for us to, to look at how we encourage people who are already within these communities to train and provide our program because, you know, one, that provides employment in these local areas, but it also means that that person who will be running the program or, or is already invested in the people that live there and that they're going to be staying long-term is the hope. So the only way we're going to secure food and fibre production over the next, you know, decades is going to be by encouraging that feeling of, of uh, social worth and social contact, I think, in the bush, mm. you know, in a, in a society which is increasingly urbanising, it seems to me. So yeah. what space is there, do you think, for other organisations to pick this up? I know you're, you're the leaders in the field. Um, are there more companies likely to pick this up, do you think, and spread this, this whole ethos of, of uh, active um, social content through the community? Yeah, I think so. And um, I think the reason for that is because it's just, we're all becoming innately aware that it's needed. You know, like I, I think there's so many important conversations happening at the moment about, you know, this sustainable practice in food and fibre production. But what does that mean if we're not finding ways to sustain the people who are the key drivers of this industry? Well, Marlise, you know, congratulations on what you and Ginny have established here, what you're doing. I think that the the work you're doing is probably disproportionate in its subliminal effects on the mental capacity of farmers to carry on through tough times by not only keeping them physically active but also to sustain their mental health through sharing and through talking. The more you talk, the more you're likely to share in what has been traditionally the quiet, silent you know, stiff upper lip type attitude of, of farmers. Um, and I think this is a way of letting their hair down in the comfort of mates. And I'm, I'm delighted to hear that people are saying, let's go to active farmers tonight rather than just go to the pub tonight. So <laughs> well done on all you're doing and uh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you very much for being our Agriminder today. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. Mental health is being increasingly recognised as a major issue in our society generally. Without doubt, the isolation and lack of regionally available support, combined with the at times seemingly insurmountable pressures of climate-dependent farming, supplying markets fraught with global politics, and the demands of our urban population, feeds despair and depression like petrol on a bushfire. As well as promoting physical health, organised activity and the accompanying social stimulation, an opportunity for sharing those frustrations in farming, can play a critical role in defusing that depression before it explodes into tragedy. 
Marlies and Active Farmers is an organisation we should be thankful for every day as it grows and supports more and more farming families. And remember always, if you're experiencing stress or struggling at any time and no matter where you are, you can call Lifeline 24 hours a day on 13 11 14. I'm Chris Russell. Join me again on AgriMinders. Special thanks to the AgriMinds Think Tank Group. AgriMinders was presented by Chris Russell and produced in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Produced by Jennifer Goggin, edited by Lindsay Green and with sound production by Matt Nikolich.